Yo, it's DJ Dallas, and you're listening to the Dynasty Nerds Podcast. Ready, set, Welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast, where we discuss dynasty strategy, rankings, and all things NFL. So get ready to geek out on fantasy football with your host, Rich Dotson. And welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Rich Dotson, here with my fellow nerds uh, via remotely, way more than six feet, socially distancing themselves from me, at Dynasty Matt, Matt O'Hara. Hey, what's going on, man? And Garrett Price. How's it going? Oh, it's going good. We're all uh, we're all remote here as we are, uh, you know, trying to stay safe here in these uh, troubled times. But today we are going to jump into the 2020 rookie running back class, Woo. the coveted class that we've been talking about now for two years. And we're going to kick that off today. We got about five guys to talk about, six guys to talk about on the Nerdshirt Show. But before I do that, let me give you a word from one of our sponsors today, and that's DynastyOwner.com. DynastyOwner.com, it gives you the chance to be an NFL GM and a fantasy football player in one. This is your chance to be the best fantasy football player and GM that you think you could be and prove it to your friends. Dynasty Owner is the only patented fantasy sports game using actual NFL salaries and contracts. You can manage your own team from all different levels. You can be the coach, the general manager, the owner, the guy that tells the guy to go kick rats when you cut them, that fun guy. Dynasty Owner is for the smart. The elite, the fantasy football player. Oh, hey, guy. Hey, hey, not you, buddy. Sit in the back. Quiet, quiet in the back. There is no offseason in Dynasty, and there's definitely no offseason in DynastyOwner.com. The rookie draft matters, free agency matters, and every contract matters. Now's your chance to go do a startup mock draft with them or a startup draft in 2020 to use those NFL players' contracts and salaries. And then you can prove your team each year after with a three-round rookie draft and trading players and draft picks. You can win weekly prizes, season prizes, and compete in the chase for the ring, which is a really, really good prize at the end of the year. The mobile app is in development. It should be ready here really, really soon in the next coming weeks for iOS and Android. Get on DynastyOwner.com right now and try a mock draft that's open on your desktop and mobile browsers. To learn more and mock draft for free, check out DynastyOwner.com. So here we are, guys. We finally made it. After years of talking about this 2020 running back class, uh, it's arrived. And today we're talking on this show DeAndre Swift, Eno Benjamin, Anthony McFarlane, Michael Warren, Salvin Ahmed, and if uh, a, little, a little guy, Garrett, has a couple nuggets on at the end, uh, Reggie Corbin, if we do have time. Uh, this draft class is in, a, in a whole, guys, is, it does not disappoint. It, you know, Obviously, it's not as deep as we thought it would be with Travis Etienne going back, Chuba Hubbard going back. Guys that would have probably been first-round picks in this draft. Uh, it's offset with how deep the wide receiver class is, I think, but I would say... This draft, this draft class is like a really good movie. You know, it's got a really good beginning. Uh, the middle is really solid. Okay, not a really good movie. One of those disappointing movies. And then the end, then it's just like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a great movie, man. I don't know what you're no, talking no. about. That sounds. Pretty but kicks great. off. It kicks off great, man. It kicks off great. <laughs> One of so, these blockbuster movies, summer summer slam type of things that that you're falling asleep by the end. Okay. So well, the, the good news. The good news is that the the top end guys are you know they're up there with some of these other classes that we've seen with the Dalvin Cooks and Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon classes. You know, there's no there's no doubt about that. That this is a very top end, um, you know, heavy draft that that is, is filled with a lot of really good players. But what's unique about this draft is it also has a, a, a pretty solid middle ground, like you were saying as well. So it, it it is very it's very deep. And you'll be able to get prospects late into the the third round that you, you're going to feel pretty good about. Yeah, I think there's about 12 guys I feel really comfortable with on my dynasty roster as people that could probably contribute to my roster this year or in the uncoming years. There's about 12 guys I really like. How about you guys? Are you talking yeah, about just me? Ro- I have. Oh, go ahead. Are you talking about just running backs or? or yeah, just or run. Just, no, just running backs only. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely feeling 12, 13 guys pretty strong. Yeah. I mean, we, we did 13, we're going to be doing 13 between these two episodes and I like quite a few of these guys. Um, there are a few guys that, you know, um, obviously are going to be disappointing, but, um, we still have a whole nother two shows to do with some other top end talented guys. So yeah, it's very deep, man. 
Garrett? Oh, yeah, especially when you look at compared to last year where it was like we got to like four and we were like, oh, and then after that, it's kind of a crapshoot. Like, good luck. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> where, whereas this year, like, you know, guys that would have been RB4 last year are RB9, 10, 11 this year. So uh, there's – there's much more depth. There's uh, the, the interesting thing's going to be is where do they all end up landing? Cause they can't all have good landing spots. So that's going to be uh, the kicker for, especially a lot of the, um, you know, the Zach Mosses, the Keyshawn Vaughn's, the Michael P Ryan, like those guys, it's going to be like, Oh, where do they end up landing? Cause that could uh, end up moving them, you know, up a tier or down a tier. So I'm, I'm excited to see how it all shakes out. Yeah. Obviously landing spot is massive in this draft and that goes for all the position players, you know, wide receiver and running backs here and it, it, it more so ever than this year because there's a lot of people that are in the same tiers and there's only so many roster spots to fill so what we're going to do is break down these guys over the next two weeks and then right there we're going to do all the way up to the nfl draft we're going to cover nfl wide receivers and then after that we'll cover the draft and then we'll obviously do our final mock draft and tell and give you these guys in order and of course you'll be able to find our up-to-date rookie rankings uh in live time real time on dynastynerds.com by being a member of the nerd herd all our rookie rankings are up there that's regular one ppr qb and uh super flex rookies as well so we got you covered from both angles there and speaking of landing spots guys i mean right now it looks like teams that need starting running backs are the tampa bay buccaneers the miami dolphins the kansas city chiefs i would put the steelers in that group uh the la rams and you could still argue the houston texans could uh use that guy with uh david johnson being such an up in the air kind of guy or you could put david johnson into or you could probably put the texans right with the falcons about where they left where you know they'll draft a guy but like you're, you're gonna have to wait a year probably at least to use them Seahawks are probably use a guy as well. And then a guy that yep. can use like a, you know, a 50, 50 split is going to be like the Buffalo bills, the Washington Redskins and the new England Patriots. Did you, did you we mention the Colts see, uh, uh, as somebody that, that could use a, like a three down type of guy? I know that they're and yeah. And the Colts, I didn't have them on there either. That's a good call, Matt. Okay. Uh, and I, I think after this year, I think this is probably the last real year of Mark Ingram. So I think they're going to be looking for their long-term back at some point, either in this draft or the next one as well. That's that's another good uh, spot as well. The the Ravens. Um, oh, I do. I, I do have a real sneaky. I actually, and I'm sorry. I do have that patience. One year guys are the New York Jets. Uh, I have the Ravens on there and I do have the Colts on there as well, but I'll move the Colts up. I don't know. I had them there. Um, so, yeah, so those are teams that need fit. So we, I, we you know just out of the top end guys. We have one, two, three, four, five, five, like legit starting spots with the Chiefs, Steelers, Texans, Bucks and Dolphins. Uh Colts, Texans, Falcons, Seahawks are kind of up in the air there. Uh, Bills, Patriots, Redskins as well. Then Jets and Ravens, you got to be a little bit patient with. So approaching this 2020 draft class, you know, we have guys like CeeDee Lamb. We have Jerry Judy in this class. And everybody you're going to see for the most part has the running backs up there in the top end of the draft. Even though we we preach building around young talent, I would say this, guys, um, my approach to the 2020 class when it comes to the running backs, if I'm 50-50 at all on this, and I would I would take CeeDee Lamb out of this because I think he's in a tier by himself at receiver, you're probably better off leaning running back, even if it's a guy who lands, like, let's say Cam Akers lands with the Chiefs and Clyde Edwards-Alaire lands with the Bucks, and those are two prime spots for guys that are behind Jonathan Taylor, uh, DeAndre Swift, and J.K. Dobbins for me, and I think you guys as well, where... It'd be okay to take Alaire and Akers over Jerry Judy, knowing that next year's wide receiver class is extremely deep. What do you guys think of that? Uh, I mean, that's not bad because, because like you said, if you know that next year's draft is going to be heavy on wide receivers, and we also know that next year's draft is is kind of light at running back, the chances are just you won't the the supplies just not going to be there next year. So you might as well you know bite the bullet take a good player this year at the running back position and wait one year to get your uh, wide receiver compliment. Yeah. And on top of that, you know, we know we've, we've talked about the depth of the wide receiver class. Um, you know, if you're picking at, let's, let's just pull it out of the air. Let's say one, four. Um, and, and you're, you know, kind of quote unquote reaching for one of those running backs. Well, you're probably getting a guy at two, four 
that in most years that wide receiver would be more like 110. Um, so you're still getting really good wide receiving prospects in the second round of this year's class, maybe even the third round of this year's class with a guy like a like a Gandy Goldie or um, uh, KJ Jefferson. Can't, yeah, exactly. Like some of those guys that, that you can get in the third round. So I think utilize that depth of the wide receiver position to your advantage unless you're absolutely positive and absolutely in love with one of the wide receivers. Chances are you're going to be better off served grabbing one of these running backs, using them for the first four years. And if you get any more than four or five years out of them, count that as gravy. Yeah, and I, and I would even say if you're, you say you're in a position of like 2-5, right? I would even look then just to give up, you know, I look at the trying to get that two, two range right around there, give it up my third, fourth, fifth, whatever it needs to take. And maybe even a player to make sure I get a guy like Brian Edwards or, you know, something along those lines or if sure. a Denzel Mims slips where then now you're getting in most years, like, you know, maybe even Justin Jefferson slips. So I would think like a guy like Justin Jefferson, a guy like Denzel Mims and a guy like Brian Edwards, uh, I would I'll, let's take Justin Jefferson out of it because he'll probably be a first round pick. Um, maybe in D- Denzel Mims too, but Brian Edwards might slip a little bit just because of his his uh, injury in a way that for that sure everything's set up right now with medical. But Brian Edwards to me in most years we're talking about him at pick like one five one six. You know what I mean? So yeah. He's somebody you're going to be able to get high in the second round. And I would just make sure if I did take that running back and I had to miss out on Judy to take Clyde Edwards a lair, which I have no problem doing whatsoever, I would make that move to make sure I come away with a guy like him and Clyde Edwards uh, and Brian Edwards. I'd feel really, really good about my draft. Definitely going to 2021. It's definitely, it's definitely a very sound strategy, especially in this year's draft. So let's get into it. So let's kick off our 2020 running back class. Talk about some of these players. And there's no better player to start off first than a guy who I had as my 2020 1-1 this time last year. I remember watching his tape. Uh, not his tape, but I remember watching the Georgia tape and just keep going back. I, I think I mentioned on the podcast, too. I go, man, I keep trying to watch his film, and I can't stop watching DeAndre Swift. Of course, we're talking about... DeAndre Swift out of Georgia, five foot eight, two hundred and twelve pounds, ran a four four eight forty at the combine. Coming off a year of 196 touches for 1,218 yards and 17 touchdowns. That was good for 6.2 yards per carry. Had 24 receptions for 216 yards receiving and one touchdown. And he also dealt with a shoulder injury last year that really limited him to four uh to eleven starts out of fourteen games. And when we're talking DeAndre Swift, my one one this class, and I and I'll flip flop here and there, and I'll say J.K. Dobbins is my number one, and then I'll go back to DeAndre Swift, uh, and I still do that because every time I watch Dobbins tape, I, I I just fall in love with him. But DeAndre Swift is my one one. This guy is a beautiful beautiful runner. He's a three down runner who his initial reads are just something beautiful to see. His vision is a plus along with his balance, and he's just. He's got that smooth spin move that he uses all the time. And he's just a smooth runner in general. He's somebody who will consistently plant and flash his leg out one way, kind of like Walter Payton, and just move that defender off of him to get those bonus yards. It's stunningly beautiful to see. He's always getting those extra couple yards. Despite his size, too, he takes contact very well. He's a good receiver out of the backfield. He's really good in pass protection, too, for being five foot, 212 pounds because he's stout. This is a well, guy. Five foot. Five, well, five foot eight. And a quarter, five foot eight. Five I'm sorry. Foot. Five, five foot eight. Five foot eight. 212 pounds. He's not uh, my mom. Dude, Come on, him. dude. <laughs> and this guy, to me, I, I I expect him to be the first running back taken off the board when the NFL draft uh, starts this year. I wouldn't surprise me if a team takes him in the first round. Just with the running back position these days, you want to get that fifth-year option uh, and not have to worry about that second contract. I think DeAndre Swift is a fantastic running back, but even more so, guys, where everybody else is going to say, hey, why do you have DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins over Jonathan Taylor? That's what people ask me. I'm going to say Jonathan Taylor is an absolute monster of a running back. I just see these guys as better, higher ceiling fantasy football running backs. And that what I, that's what I see out of DeAndre Swift. He is a fantastic, fantastic running back, man. I love everything about his game. The only con I even have about DeAndre Swift, honestly, is he's not a pile mover. Matt, what do you think of DeAndre Swift out of Georgia? I was going to say the same thing about him not being um, a pile mover. It doesn't mean that he's not a, a tough runner. 
because he is, man. He breaks tackles. He breaks arm, tack- arm tackles and stuff like that. But it's just he's never going to, you know, bowl into a line that's completely stuffed up and, and gain two yards. You know what I mean? He's just not big enough to do that. At 212 pounds, that's not part of his game. But um, I mirror much of the same things that you say. He's got really good lateral agility, too. He's You know, his, his stop start, he doesn't lose a ton of – a, a, a ton of speed doing any of that kind of stuff and like you said he flashes you know like the old dead leg or something and he just boom and, and he's gone you know what I mean so um he doesn't give much to the defenders to really hit and and, and take a part of he's always like taking these little glancing blows he's not taking the big body blows so uh, there's there's really there's really not much not to like about him and when you say man he, seen, he- Go ahead. Sorry, when you when you said you say he gives him that you know the dead leg and he flashes outside, uh, which is usually is his right foot. He usually does that with the, to the right, and mm-hmm. he he does that. It's not like when you see some runners like oh he has a really nice cut cut or he does a really nice flash you know there. Um, it's he does it all the time, like everything inside, right. outside, behind the line, past the line, in the receiving game. It's it's unreal. Yeah, so I mean it's just it's just one of those it's a rare ability to make people miss. Um, and, and he could string together a couple, you know, two or three different moves in, in, in one play in order to, to just to give himself just enough room to get those extra two or three yards at the end of a run. So it, there's, there's not a lot that I don't like about this prospect and he's, and he is definitely my, my one, one at the running back position. Garrett. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i in the same boat as you guys. I barely have Dobbins edged out. Uh, and I'm going to be referencing this a lot because this is something that we've uh, developed. So I'm going to be talking about like our tape scores. And basically, um, individuals comprise their own tape score. So I do one, Jared does one. We're not going to talk about anybody else, but we'll just talk about Jared and I for now. <laughs> uh, but Jared and I do them. Uh, and... Uh, then they come together and the composite score is the nerd score. And that's what you've been seeing on Twitter and some different things like that. So when I reference tape score, that's basically my own personal uh, rankings uh, on some of his attributes and things like that. But overall, he got a 77.5 for me, which was the second highest score in the class, just barely edged out by Dobbins that out of his 77.68. Um, so they were both very, very close. Um, and the nice part is about Swift's game, and you guys kind of alluded to this. You know, looking through my sheet, uh, everything is basically sevens and eights, uh, and you know, some seven point fives and eight point fives. Like it's all like there are no glaringly obvious holes um, in his game, which that's what makes him far and away the safest running back prospect in the class. And that's something that I think isn't talked about enough because when you're willing to invest first round uh, rookie draft capital in somebody, you can't miss. Like missing on those picks can set you back quite a bit because, you know, even as much as we love the second round in this year's class, the likelihood of that not hitting is significantly higher than the first round. So if you miss on your first round, you're probably not going to do well for the rest of your draft either. So um, that's the nicest part about Swift is I really don't see any scenario that this guy is not a significant contributor uh, on your fantasy team for years to come. Um, if if I was being picky, I get what you guys say about power. He's not going to be a huge pile mover. Strong enough, though, for his size. He has a pretty good BMI, um, so I, I don't hate it. But, yeah, that's not a, an elite attribute in any other way. My other thing is he's not a finisher. Um, and he he will get a lot of 15-yard runs, 20-yard runs, really good as a slasher. But it's interesting. It seems like once he gets past the linebackers, so once he gets you know through that front seven, it almost seems like the incredible vision that he has uh, to find the holes, change direction, and stuff like that, it's almost like he loses that, and he loses the ability to be able to solve problems at times after that. And he, he, so you won't see a lot of, you know, 30 plus yard runs, but you're going to get a ton of those 12 yard gain, 17 yard gain, you know, 14 yard, like you're going to get a bunch of those and they all eventually count the same. And but, I was going to, and, you know, I and don't think th- the thing is in the NFL, there aren't that many of those anyway. You know what I mean? Like correct. these guys that come into correct. the league with 2000 yards, you know, in one season at the college level, like a JK Dobbins and a, and a Jonathan Taylor they got there because they were breaking these long runs. Those that big aren't, long runs that yeah. aren't going to be there in the NFL for the most part. You know what I mean? So, so it is. Um, 
it can be a it can be a, a negative if people just look at the numbers. But if you if you think about it, I mean they're they're not going to be there in the NFL. So these maybe are are more true numbers anyway that you're looking at, at when you look at his college numbers. Yeah, I get I get Gar- what Garen say, says too though because like sometimes you'll see that in film is where like when he's passed to linebackers like he'll he'll make some moves that you go oh that was kind of unnecessary you should have just kept getting upfield you know like. You, you didn't need to. You didn't need to make that move. You need to plant there. It's kind of like and you could, or you could move it out to the outside. Right. Maybe I alluded to that a little bit too when I was saying, you know, he strings together yards and gets, or strings strings together uh, plays and gets and gets like a couple of extra yards there at the end of the play. When maybe you're right. Maybe if he didn't try to string those those couple of last moves together and he just booked it, maybe he maybe he would be in the in the free and clear. And he would have a much bigger gain. Who knows? And it's definitely it's yeah. definitely a slight negative. I don't. You know what I mean? Because I agree with yeah, Matt it's, too. It's, it's not like, a huge thing. It's it's just it's just enough for it's like okay, you might not get you know where where you see some of these elite top five guys. They'll have some of those games where they're putting up thirty five fantasy points for your team because not only did they have you know a hundred yards worth of you know grinding it out and getting you know eight, ten, twelve yards, but they also broke that big one for fifty three yards and got another touchdown on top of it. You might not get as many of those monster weeks, but you're gonna the baseline of like, hey, I know for sure I'm getting twelve points. And between twelve and twenty points every week, I'm golden. So you're yeah. you're you're almost guaranteed that it's just some of those monster weeks might not be there. Yeah, Swift Swift is definitely kind of a guy that you're going to get. You know, and I think for most part, most of these guys, you could say that you know Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor have a higher ceiling than Andre Swift. And I agree with Garrett that he's the safest picker because um, where you see Swift being like you know like that Aaron Jones kind of runner where he's he's running back six seven. Almost every year, you know, for multiple years, which is again, that's elite. You know what I mean? That's but great. never that, yeah, yeah, never that like top three Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook kind of guy is what you know what I mean. Like I could see that too, where he's all he's consistently a running back one. His value is golden, and he does it for a long time. It's just you know, is he gonna be? He's not gonna be that sixteen seven hundred down. It's gonna be more. It's gonna rusher. be more Melvin Gordon where, you know, Melvin Gordon was so good for so long. Never really cracked into that, like, top three or four guys, but he was between, like, five and ten, like, every year for, like, four or five straight seasons. And we'll probably do it again this year. Yeah, so I, I like DeAndre Swift. Garrett, he's your he's your running back, too, behind Dobbins? Barely, by a hair. So, yeah, yeah even I, all of the saying, I'm being nitpicky. Like, I love this kid. He's really oh, I get it. I, I have a 1A. We're talking Dobbins in the next show, too. I have a 1A, 1B. It's so close for me where if I had two number one overall picks, I would for sure swap it up. You know what I mean? Like I would take one Dobbins, one Swift for sure. Matt, how close is that for you? Is is Dobbins your number two or Dobbins is my number two, and and it is super close, man. So um, it, it you know it's if somebody picked J.K. Dobbins, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight Garrett right now over that. You know that he's saying yeah. that it's it's just. They're very, they're very similar um, uh, backs, but we'll break him. You know, we'll break J.K. Dobbins yeah. down a little bit, a little bit more in detail next week, and I, or next show, or next uh, show. Sorry, yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I, I honestly, like, I have Swift and Dobbins as my clear cut one two, but I wouldn't even argue if somebody took Jonathan Taylor one overall because I understand it. You know what I mean? Like, I get why they're doing it. I get the safety of it. I get it. You're looking for that big yards. And if he could put together that passing game, which I saw at his pro day practice, uh, he was catching the ball really well. So to me, I can understand that too. It's not going to happen in my drafts in any of them. I would take Swift and Dobbins uh, over Jonathan Taylor, but I understand that. So let's move on. Next running back here on the list. We're talking today. We all agree that DeAndre Swift is all our, you know, two out of three of us won one, but kind of like we're, we're talking about 1A, 1B for all of us of J.K. Dobbins. And of course, you can hear us break down J.K. Dobbins on the next show. Uh, next year, we're talking about Eno Benjamin, running back out of Arizona State. He's five foot nine, 207 pounds, ran a 4.5740 and a 6.973 cone, which that kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, so that was a really nice three cone he had there. 2019 was for Eno Benjamin, a disappointing year coming out of his 2018 because his 2018 was a monster year. I mean, in 2018, he had 300 rushes for 1,642 yards, 16 touches, touchdowns, averaged 5.5 yards per carry, he had 35 catches for 263 yards and two touchdowns. And in 2019, he took a big step back outside the passing game where he only had 253 touches. 
for 1,083 yards, 10 touchdowns, and only averaged 4.3 yards per carry. When you're talking to Eno, Eno Benjamin, uh, when I watch this tape, I didn't come away, me personally, I'm going to hear what you guys got to say about him, overly in love with him. You know, Some of the things I liked about him was I thought he was pretty elusive outside the backfield. Um, I thought he had really nice feet. They were quick. He had some pretty good balance. He plays tough. He runs physical. And to me, I thought his hands were just kind of okay. I saw a lot of body catches out there. So even though he increased his catches from 35 to 42 and had more yards, I, I thought some of those catches were somewhat weak. Um, he did have 77 receptions for 610 yards over the last two seasons, however. So he could be a potential three down kind of back guy. I look at it as more of a change of pace kind of guy. I know the team wasn't as good and 2018 was significantly better than 2019. But to me, he dances a little too much behind the line. Um, he has some of those drops, like I mentioned, when it comes to catching the football. His burst, uh, I just don't, I didn't really see a lot of burst there. His pass protection was not good. Uh, he he doesn't really take what's given there a lot. I mean, he's always trying to create that home run threat is what I kind of got of him. He had six fumbles. He lost four of them. So to me, there's a lot of concerns about Eno, Eno Benjamin for me. They're really kind of like bump him down my running back list. I know a lot of guys have Eno Benjamin as high as like their sixth, seventh running back. I'm going to put him closer to like 13 for me. Uh, Matt, what do you think of Eno Benjamin out of Arizona State? Um, I actually like Eno Benjamin. Uh, it sounds like a little bit more than you. I, I um, he does, in my opinion, have have some nice change of direction skills for a guy that's smaller. I think he weighed in at like 195 pounds at the Senior Bowl, and then he put put on about 10 more pounds for the for the combine and came in at 207. Um, I think he plays a little faster than his than his four five seven forty would indicate, but like you said, he has a really good three cone uh, six points uh, six point nine seven, and and the explosion numbers. I mean, a thirty nine inch vertical and an over a ten foot broad jump. It speaks to his at least to me that he's a bit of an explosive athlete, and and I think that's what shows up on tape as well. In, in my eyes, you said you didn't see much burst, but. When you compare him to a, a like a Zach Moss type of guy, he definitely has a much more burst than than those type of guys. But he's not gonna, you know, if you watch DeAndre Swift's tape or or, K, or J.K. Dobbins tape, and then go straight to Eno Benjamin, there's gonna be a little bit of a fall off. I don't think he's at that level, but I think he's somewhere in between Zach Moss and, and those elite guys as far as athleticism and explosiveness. Um, you know, he he doesn't block all that well, but you know he he's able to like at least he's a guy that can be a a back that at least chips out of the backfield and does stuff like that and then then runs out for routes. He doesn't have the best hands. I've seen him you know drop a few few passes that he probably should have caught. But I mean forty two catching forty two passes in one season that like he did this past year is is really nothing to sneeze at. So as long as he gets something like that close to that um, production out of out of the passing game. I think he can be an okay fantasy asset. So this guy is going to depend a lot, a, a lot on where he lands, in my opinion. For sure, if, if for, I, a, I agree with that too. For if sure. he gets a if he gets a role where he can catch catch a bunch of passes and he's catching 50, 60 passes and he's and he's maybe rushing for 500, 600 yards a year, then I'm okay with that and I'm okay getting that kind of production where you're going to draft him. You know, likely he's going to be a second round middle to second middle to ends of the second round draft pick so i'm okay yeah in your rookie in your rookie draft and yeah i can see draft, that like yeah. if i if i can see him get an opportunity somewhere where he's gonna be force fed the ball because again the thing i don't like is i like Eno benjamin a lot behind the line of scrimmage it's just i don't like him like his ability like when i, when I saw on tape again I, this is me hating on Eno benjamin i just don't love him um is his ability to really get past that line of scrimmage consistently Garrett what do you think of Eno Benjamin out of Arizona State yeah I'm not a huge Eno fan either um, as far as my tape score goes uh, I have him as my 14th ranked running back right now at a 63.53 um, now granted running backs 10 through 15 um, are all within two points of each other so I mean it's it's pretty close between 10 and 15 there but I have him at 14 um the thing with the thing with Eno is he is one of the most elusive backs in the class. Um, he does uh, change directions uh, pretty fluidly. The problem is when I'm looking at these running backs, I'm looking at how how are they going to win? 
Um, you know, what is going to make them win at the next level? And outside of his elusiveness, there's really not much else for me that I think could make him uh, beat a defender or make plays. Uh, you did mention his his receiving game. Um, he 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 is definitely one of the guys that had volume, but he's not necessarily overly skilled in that area. Uh, not a great pass blocker. Uh, so uh, it, it, it's tough because I I do agree, uh, and and I don't know why this is just you know sometimes you get weird gut things. Um, even though I'm not the biggest fan of his, I would not be shocked in the least to see where he would be going in the real NFL draft, which I'm kind of expecting probably late third, fourth round probably yeah, is kind of I what think, I'm looking at. I think you're right. Rob. And and that seems like prime territory for the Kansas City Chiefs to take a running back. So I would not be shocked if this is the guy of all these guys. You know, we're hoping Akers is there and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. This is the kind of guy that I think is most likely going to be. It might not specifically be him, but he would be a prime target, in my opinion, for a team like the Chiefs. And if that's the case, obviously, I, see, I don't think he so, man. I don't. Bunch. I don't think he is. I don't think he. I think he. I don't think he catches the ball well enough to be. The back Andy Reid would want him to be. There's there's much better options out there. I think the Eno Benjamin, you know, even the next. I think honestly, I think the next guy we're talking about would be a better option uh, for I that. Think he'd be a great option offense. there too, and that would, and yeah. he'll be in the in the same range around the fourth round as well. He would he would be the other guy that I could. So and that, and that's the thing. Like like I think Garrett, you mentioned like yeah, a lot of his pat. He did have 42 catches, but a lot of dump offs. And I said he even knows though. Like sometimes he would double clutch those or he catch them with his body. So. And, and that slows you down, you know what I mean? In the NFL, that's gonna that's that's a ha- that's a millisecond you don't have to spare in the NFL. And, and the thing is, his speed isn't his speed isn't good enough to make up for all of those moves that he makes. Yeah. So yeah, he might make a guy or two miss, but in the process of doing that, there was three more defenders that got there, and that's what I'm worried about. Is I just don't. I just don't know that he can win consistently at the next level. At the next level, yeah, I, I think so too, Gary. That's why I kind of, and I'm glad your score has him right about where I have him, like right around like 13, right around there. Yep. Um, but a guy that I'm not like not not interested in, you know what I mean? Like I would definitely like to no. get some shares of him. But I'm looking at Eno Benjamin for me, like top of the third. But depending on where he lands, you know what I mean? Is he going to get a spot where he can get opportunity? Because, again, in PPR leagues, this is a guy that does have some good elusiveness. So we'll see where he goes. Um, well, it's going to be interesting where Eno Benjamin falls on uh, the final rankings. Matt likes him a little bit more than Garrett and I, uh, but definitely a prospect not to scratch off your rookie rankings. Now, let's move on to another guy. This is another guy who I think might be a bargain when it comes to dynasty rookie drafts, I think this is a guy who had an ankle injury all year. And I think that may be a blessing in disguise for dynasty owners. Cause it's going to kind of like push him back. And I'm talking about Anthony McFarlane out of Maryland, five foot eight, 208 pounds and ran a four, 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 40 pretty good for a guy of his stature. That is cruising. This is a guy who only had 114 touches for 614 yards Eight uh, eight touchdowns, 5.4 yards per carry, 17 catches for 126 yards and a touchdown. But he did have a high ankle sprain most of 2019. So his 2018 was better. And boy, do I remember, because I remember that game. He had a monster versus OSU, man. Three huge runs, monster. It was like 289 yards versus Ohio State, something along those lines. Crushed us. Crushed he us. This guy handedly beat us. Yeah, he had us on the ropes. This guy is a big play explosive home run threat. And his 40 showed us just that he's a really nice one cut runner. And he, man, watching his tape is fun. Cause he made a r- lot of really nice cuts and he's somebody too. That what I like is like, we see a lot of these guys, like he, like he has some JK Dobbins in his game where when he makes that one big cut, he doesn't lose momentum at all on those cuts. He's fast. He runs aggressive. He's got pretty good balance and burst and he's got good enough hands. I saw not a lot of opportunity there out of Maryland, but when he did, he had good enough hands. So when he do get the ball, it's kind of nice. Now, this is a guy who does have a lot of injuries. He had one in high school that was a major injury. In college, he was hurt. Um, he's not he's not the toughest to tackle either where his, his speed and his cut is like his trademark there. But when you do get him in open field, he's not a hard guy to tackle down. Um, 
he doesn't play that physical, which also hurts him as pass protection because that's not really good as well. Um, sometimes you'll see him, he'll bounce outside too much where you just kind of want to run him in, in between the tackles. But you know, we keep going to Garrett twice, Mer- uh, Matt twice first. Garrett, let's give you a chance. What do you think here of Anthony McFarlane out of Maryland? Yeah, so Anthony McFarland is the guy that I do have at 10. I talked about that 10 to 15 range. Uh, he is the guy that is starting that next tier. So I have him at a 65.28, uh, which is my 10th rated running back. Uh, and you're absolutely right. This is an explosive, an explosive player. Um, I Maryland was, was a tough team to watch this year. And it is interesting because I thought he was one of the guys, you know, we had ETN go back. We had Najee Harris go back. This was a guy that I thought would go back, Anthony McFarland, And I thought he would, um, you know, end up trying to build up uh, his his senior year, get a little bit better numbers, maybe bulk up a little bit, which seemed to do that just fine in the offseason because I'm not sure that he played at 208, but that was really impressive to see him come in at that size and still run a 4440. Um, so uh, he's not the strongest between the tackles, but there were some times in the open field that you would see him take on linebackers and DBs uh, yep. and actually, you know, go toe to toe at times. So it, it's not like he's like this, uh, this, this little guy that can't do it. Um, but he's definitely not moving the pile for you. He's not, a, he's not going to do a lot, uh, at the goal line. Uh, but I think he's creative enough, uh, to, to make plays even in inside the tackle box. So, uh, I am, I am very interested in Anthony McFarland. Uh, and you brought it up with the last player. Yes. This is another guy that draft capital wise would probably be in the range that I think Kansas city would be willing to take him. And I think his, his game would be suited, uh, to what they're, they would be looking for as well so uh i do like anthony mcfarland quite a bit and uh i i think that he i don't know that he will ever be a consistent rb2 unless unless he goes to a kansas city or something like that but he Uh. reminds me of a guy kind of like Tariq cohen where he's still very valuable for your team because you can plug him in at any point and he'll probably do like have one big explosive play during the game and get a couple catches and still be able to get you like nine points which can be really valuable during those bye weeks and i think that's the kind of range he's going to end up in in the nfl yeah, that speed's kind of speed where I kind of alluded to the next guy for Andy Reid. Like, that kind of fits his offense and what he does. That one-cut runner that gets upfield, can catch the football, might surprise us. That, you know, in that offense you're talking about, he's locked in. If he goes to the Chiefs, he's locked in the first round of a rookie draft. He's locked in. Yep. Matt, what do you think of Anthony McFarland out of Maryland? So, Anthony McFarland, um, for me, he's, he's, he's a bit hard to, like, really nail down because, like, you guys have already – you guys have kind of already beat this – uh, point to to death here. He's an explosive one cut guy. He has the the long speed. Um, but what I what I don't what I can't figure out and nail down like like you were like Garrett was alluding to. He doesn't have power. I mean, at five foot eight, two hundred eight pounds, he's not like a pile moving type of running back. But I think it's and I and I wrote this down. I think it's his explosion. He uses his explosion and 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 his speed. Yeah, that's right when it, right when he's about to get hit by a, a defender to to break those kind of tackles. So I think that's the kind of guy he is. He's just an explosive, speed related type of back that I think has a chance. I mean, he obviously is going to be able to break big plays and, and be like a. a um, you know, anytime he touches the ball, he could it could be a touchdown type of threat. So I, I could see why Andy Reid would be enamored with a guy like this. I mean, really, a lot of a lot of people would. But I mean, like I'm thinking of like a Chris Johnson type guy from years back who, you know, he'll he'll pile up a couple of two three yard gains and then all of a sudden it's a forty yard gain or it's an eighty yeah. yard gain. And and I think Anthony McFarlane has a very similar type of game. Or he could, you know, like his one or two passes, they two of them, you know could be for or if he had three passes two of them could be behind the line of scrimmage and go for no gain and then the third one is a 70 yard touchdown so that's the, the that's the type of player anthony mcfarlane is in my eyes does it remind you guys of devin singletary at all uh, i could see that maybe even a little bit maybe even a little more so of henderson uh daryl henderson, Darryl henderson? That, speed okay. that he had because i just don't think singletary is quite as fast 
Uh, whereas Henderson was was really fast, and that was I remember kind of talking about him last year. We're like, he doesn't really cut; he just kind of goes around guys because he's faster, um, you know. And that's you know, McFarland does a little more cutting, so I think he'd be probably closer to to Henderson. And you know, Matt mentioned Chris Johnson a, a little bit more of that. I think that would be kind of that range. Do you guys see him locked in as a second round rookie pick so far in twenty twenty? Is where we stand today without a teamer? Then you guys like him in the second round because I like him. I like him right there in the, the mid to back end of the second round right now. I think he's a nice little good sleeper prospect that could somebody somebody could use as a flex option during bye weeks on the right team or if the the guy he's pairs up with gets hurt, you know, he's good for a couple good games of high score and action. I mean, I would scoop him up in a millisecond if he was there the top of the third round. I would have to really need a running back and not like what I'm seeing from the wide receiver crop. You know, as far as landing spots and all that kind of thing for Anthony McFarland to creep in that middle uh, area of the second round or even kind of to the late area, to be honest. Just too much of a gamble for me. Right now, he most of the mocks that I've seen or that, that people have done, uh, he's been going in the third quite a bit. And uh, I'm probably right in between you guys. I'm kind of looking right around the turn of that uh, end of the second, beginning of the third is the range as of right now that I would feel kind of comfortable with. All right. Anthony McFarlane, intriguing prospect. And be ex- excited to see where he ends up in our dynasty overall rookie ranks when it's all said and done. Because uh, there are some running backs, I will say, there's some guys out here like Darrington Evans that are moving up my board um, that I've seen. Even another guy we're going to talk in the next show, guys like DJ Dallas, that uh, I'm excited about. But before we move on, talk about some more. Uh, more of these running backs. Let me give you another word from another one of our sponsors. And that's a, a friend of ours that used to advertise in the show quite frequently a couple years ago. And that's realitysportsonline.com. That's right. If you like auction fantasy football, this is definitely your spot where you want to go. By now, most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what's all the buzz about in the dynasty community and see what's going on. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, practice squads, and much, much more. This sounds complicated. It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online fantasy front office is that it doesn't take any more than a standard league it just requires more strategy think you're among the fantasy elite well this is the platform to test your metal still not sure you can test out your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction if you like what you see use the promo code nerds to receive 10 percent off on your team or league today Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Use the promo code NERDS to get 10% off today. If you like auction fantasy football, realitysportsonline.com is for you, and you can save 10% of your league today using promo code NERDS. All right, let's get back into these running backs. Here, next one on the list is Michael Warren out of Cincinnati. Five foot nine, two hundred and twenty-six pounds, had two hundred and sixty-one carries for one thousand two hundred and sixty-five yards and fourteen touchdowns, four point eight yards per carry, twenty-one reception for 153 yards and two touchdowns. Um, I feel like I've been going first all these guys. Do any of you guys want either of you guys want to kind of take the lead on Michael Warren or do you want me to go? No, no, I'll go. Um this is a player that I, you know. I wasn't expecting to like, I don't think, as much as I did. I think he's got some pretty quick feet for a guy that's 226 pounds and and some nice lateral agility. Um, In my eyes, he catches the ball really naturally out of the backfield. Um, He's one of these backs, you know, at 226 pounds, he seems to get stronger as the game goes on. And he definitely has enough shiftiness um, to make people miss in the open field. He can lower his pads and get some tough yardage in short yardage situation, and he's definitely big enough and strong enough to break arm tackles on a pretty a pretty routine basis. I think he's you know he's a pretty good blocker. He's he's not great at that, but I don't think any of these guys that I've seen this year are are like great uh, at the, in the blocking game. But he's he's pretty darn good. Um, and you know as far as far as you know, unfortunately, he didn't he didn't run any forty or do any of the explosion type of numbers that I would have liked to have seen at the combine. So we don't have like, you know, the 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 numbers as far as, 
you know, on the same grounds as everyone else. But uh, I think I did yeah, I see think there's a reason for that, too. I think I saw it on Twitter that he ran, you know, he, obviously, you know, you're you're out on a field by yourself. But I think he ran in the four five range, um, you know, just just hand timed or whatever. So, I mean, I'm not buying that. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not buying it. So, so Rich, what do you what are you feeling then? You, what do you think he's like a four six, four seven type of guy, or or what? Uh, which, but honestly, four six is good enough. You know what I mean? It's I agree with like what like what you said. I really like the way he moves in between the tackles. Like for a guy of his stature at five nine two twenty six, this guy has some really nimble feet. Yeah, you know, uh, he's a really strong interior runner and moves really well in between the tackles. Um, did show some good routes and showed some decent hands. But to me, he's one of those north-south runners who gets the ball and goes. He's good with yards after contact, and he's a guy who can move the chains for you. And, you know, his team wasn't even that great either. He's somebody who who was on a mediocre team, mediocre offensive line, and he saw a lot of stacked boxes. But the one thing I didn't see there was speed. And I think the most uh, evident thing there to show that, like, he had a really time, tough time on the outside you know, getting the outside, being being on the outside and actually be able to produce on the outside. I thought you use, you know, sometimes a little bit more patience behind the line because he is that bigger back, so he get the ball and go. Uh, I didn't really see the burst there out of him. So, and, and also, like, his pass protection, despite his size, like, I thought that was kind of weird for how, you know, stout he was. His pass protection was weird to me. So, to me, I look at Michael Warren. I was pleasantly surprised, like you were, Matt, with, like, how nimble his feet were and how nice, like he's some of the best feet I thought in this class and how well he moved and in that, between the tackles. That was definitely the thing that stood out because I, I mean, I, I, you know, I already had everything booted up. I knew that he didn't run a 40. So I'm thinking, Oh man, this guy must be kind of slow and sluggish. But when he, when you put him on tape, he, he can actually move a bit. So it, it was a very pleasant surprise, I guess. Yeah, I think this guy is definitely an NFL running back. I just think he's really – I definitely think he helps an NFL team more so than he really helps your fantasy team. You know what I mean? To me, he's like – he needs to be like a number two to be – first of all, he needs to be a number two to be fantasy relevant. And he'll likely just be pounding a rock Is he Jordan kind of guy. Howard? Is that what he is? I mean uh, – I think Jordan Howard's got better speed than he does. Okay, all right. Fair enough. Yeah, the right the right frame of mind though, where it's like you know he's more of a between the tackles grinder. The thing I the thing I like uh, you guys great points that you guys brought up on him. Um, he is one of the best between the tackles uh, in this class. He's not getting the corner uh, more often than not, uh, especially at the next level. He didn't even do it very well in college. Um, the the thing that I like about him is his game is so similar to Zach Moss. Like, they are very, very, very similar players. However, you're going to be able to get Michael Warren around to a round and a half later. Yeah. Um, and I think more than likely, they're going to have the same type of role at the NFL level. Um, both are okay catching the ball. They're not, like, great at it. Um, but they're they're capable uh, pass catchers. But they're going to be more or less between the tackle grinders uh, and then, you know, maybe push the pile at the goal line at times. I think that's going to be more of – of their wheelhouse and he's really not on many people's radar. So I think you're just going to be able to get him a lot cheaper unless his draft capital, which I don't believe so, but unless his draft capital is much better than I anticipate it being, he's going to be pretty cheap uh, in the NFL draft and he's going to be even cheaper uh, in your rookie drafts, I think. So uh, you guys brought up a lot of the really good points on him. Overall, I have him as my RB 11. So he is right behind Anthony McFarland at a 65.33. So we're covering a lot of guys in that, that 10 to 15 range for me tonight. Um, But yeah, I think he's a talented player uh, and, and will probably be a very solid backup for an NFL team for a long time. And, and yeah, I, I like that comp you made too of Zach Moss. Like he's a much cheaper Zach Moss. Go ahead, Matt. I, no, you're fine. That's the same thing I was gonna say. Yep. You you cut Wait. me off. You cut me off and then took my point. So you're you're good. Ooh, even better. <laughs> even better. No, I th- I thought that's a really good comp out of Gary. I really like that one. And you know, it, instead of like if you see Zach Moss there, you know, who's probably gonna be you're looking at probably in a you know thirteen to sixteen range. Maybe you're better off waiting to get a, you know the receiver you want there and settling for a Michael Warren, uh, who's going to give you the same kind of opportunity. Right. And Warren's probably going to be like a fifth or sixth round pick in the NFL. Let's face it. You know what I mean? So yeah. you'll be able to get yep. him pretty late. 
And it'd be one of those like really good guys to get as like if you if he goes to a team that you already had that running back, he's a great handcuff in dynasty for sure to have for sure. You know, kind of like, like how Reichwell Armstead was for Leonard Fournette last year. <clears throat> it just didn't get the opportunity. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Next guy on the list. So we all we all like Michael Warren. We just don't love him as a great fantasy prospect. Am I right? Yep. yep. That that pretty much sums it up. Yep. Okay. But rosterable for the next two years. Mm, definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. I agree with that too. All right. Next guy on our list is Salvan Ahmed out of Washington. Five foot eleven, 197 pounds. We're in a four six two forty. Now, I want Garrett, I want to give you the floor because this is something that you were really big on at first, and then you dug more into the tape, and then you really started to sour. Um, I could kind of see what you were going with there, but I want to give you the floor first here on Salvan Ahmed and tell us what you think of him as a dynasty prospect. Yeah, he's he was kind of one of those trendy names for a while. Um, you know, a lot of people aren't as aware of a lot of the guys in the pack typically, uh, unless they are uh, like these college football superstars. Because mo- more times than not, their games are on after people are going to bed, or they're you know already doing whatever they were going to do on Saturday night. And so, like, you're not catching a lot of like Washington games. You're not catching a lot of. Uh, you know, Utah is another one, BYU, like a lot of these guys in the West Coast, you're just not watching them play much. So he was kind of a trendy name, trendy sleeper uh, for a while. Um, And I was kind of, I I was kind of intrigued by him for a little while. Um, But the more like I actually watched his tape, um, I wasn't thrilled. Now, the the surprising thing to me was how poor that 40-yard dash was because on tape, um, I thought he was a much, much faster player uh, than a 4-6 guy. Um, and he needs to be to be able to be relevant uh, in the NFL. Uh, he seemed like a guy that would be a good stereotypical receiving back third down type guy. Um, that kind of seemed like the role that he would settle into very nicely. The hard part is with guys that had uh, poor combine performances that already were not big names, they haven't gotten a chance to redeem themselves at their pro day. So a guy that we thought could have been one of the fastest running backs in the class runs a 4-6, and there's not going to be much you're going to be able to do about that. So uh, right now, he dropped quite a bit for me. Um, Let's see, where do I have him? He is right around 20 for me right now. Uh, so he ended, he ended up coming in at a 59.3. Um, there just wasn't enough, uh, power and tackle breaking to his game for him to be relevant. I think on first and second down for the most part. Um, so yeah, I think more than likely as much as I love the game speed and some of the quickness, I'm probably going to be off of him. And I'm, and I'm with you. Yeah, I was surpri- Go ahead, Rich. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Matt, go ahead. And I see the same thing. He's a, he's a small, quick back. He doesn't break tackles. He gets overwhelmed when he's blocking, and he just he doesn't have a ton of pass catching production. You know, out of a you know five foot ten, one hundred ninety seven pound back, I would want to see you know 40, 50 catches, something that I I know that he can do it. I mean, he does look natural when he is catching passes, but they didn't use him like that, which was just kind of I guess odd to me. The, the one maybe saving grace for him as far as getting an opportunity in the NFL was that he, he returned kicks as well. And that's kind of where I see his avenue being. He, he's going to get drafted somewhere very late, or he's going to come in, in my opinion, maybe most likely as an undrafted free agent, and he's going to have to earn a spot on special teams. And I just I personally just don't see enough there that I'm going to bother with him in many of my drafts, if at all. Yeah, he seems very average at best to me. Uh, like you said too, man, for a guy that's five foot 11, pretty much. And you know, only coming in at 197 pounds, you look for him to be a speedster, something to catch the football, but that's not what it really translates to. He is like you guys both have said, he's solid at catching the football and on a game tape. He looked fast enough to me, but that four, six, two doesn't lie. And I also really liked his lateral movement in the open field. But when I saw him run the football, like I thought his vision was really bad. Uh, like he would like it looks like he was just thinking too much back there. He didn't make his decisions really quick enough. Like the hole would be there and he just wouldn't hit it. And he would dance behind the line, like take all those stutter steps when he just needs to like cut the cut and get up field. Uh, and then when he even did that, he's not even very elusive either. So to me, this is a guy who played in Washington, was okay there, uh, a solid prospect there. 
But when it translates to the next level, it's just one of those guys where he's average at best. I look at him struggling to make an NFL roster that really could contribute. Like, you better hope he can play on special teams. So I'm with you guys. Um, He's somebody who's pretty much, unless he lands at a spot where, like, okay, he's the clear-cut number two because they have nobody, he's pretty much off my board. Like, I'm going to gamble on the late tight ends. I'm going to gamble on the – I'm going to take advantage of this wide receiver depth. You know what I mean? Like, for me – I didn't really like what I saw. Salvin Ahmed, no thank you. I'll pass as well. I'll pass on that grass. There's uh, one more guy uh, that I have nothing on. Uh, I couldn't even find the right size on him, Garrett. Reggie Corbin, Illinois. I don't know if he's five foot eight or five foot ten. I think so, he's five foot nine, two oh five. I think he's right in between there, actually. Oh, look. So everything I read, I was trying to I, I was trying to dig in him for the podcast. I was like, okay, Garrett threw his name on me. I'd have no tape on him. I was like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll study Reggie Corbin. Couldn't even study him. So Garrett, tell us about Reggie Corbin, because I've got nothing. I know he's from Illinois. Matt said he's five foot nine, two oh five. That's all I got. As far as scores go, um, his tape score for me came in almost identical to Eno Benjamin. Um, So I have them in a very similar range. He's one spot behind him. Um, So he's coming in at number 15 for me um, at a uh, 63.13 tape score. The way that this guy wins is his speed. Um, He is a very, very fast and explosive player. Now, the thing is, Illinois uh, was not a very good football team, uh, especially this past season. He didn't really put up the numbers that you were kind of hoping to see uh, because in his uh, the year before, in 2018, he had over eight yards per carry. So it seemed like every time he touched the ball, he was making big plays. Those big plays just were not there for him this year. Uh, but you saw he had really good side-to-side lateral agility. He's not very strong. He's not going to push a pile. He's not going to uh, break a bunch of tackles, but he will make guys miss, and he will beat guys to the edge, to the corner, and if he gets a seam up the middle, he's gone. Um, so he looked good in the in the uh, Shrine game as well. Um, he had had some plays there. So I'm... It's he's really kind of an enigma because uh, it's not quite as drastic as it was with Bryce Love, but the 2018 tape was significantly better than the 2019 tape, and so it's it's going to be interesting to see what kind of player we get. Uh, but he's another guy that I think could end up sticking on third down somewhere, um, and and being an explosive playmaker out of the backfield. So. I really like Reggie Corbin, um, but this, I will say, this is more of a guy that I think I am probably higher on than most of the other draft analysts. The, he was just kind of a guy that stuck with me. Every time I turned on his tape, there was enough uh, ability to make plays, especially in the open field, that I was interested in him. So we'll see what happens, but more than likely, sixth, seventh, maybe even undrafted. That's probably the range we're looking at. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you there. And and if it was my choice between him and and Salvan, I would pick him ten out of ten times. You know what I mean? So I saw a yeah. lot of the a lot of the same things. I mean, if if the play is blocked well in front of him, he can make a big play. And and yep. and, and that's that's the biggest thing that I saw. He's explosive enough. He can make a play. And if he finds an opening in a crease, like you said, man, is he through it? You know what I mean? He yep. does. He doesn't yep. waste his time, which it, which is nice. So, you know, he was limited in what he what, what you saw out of the passing game. The one the one negative is he's already 24 years old. So, he's, he's a an guy old back, yeah. Yeah, so so that's one of those things where this is another guy with a very small window in the NFL. Um so he's going to have to be drafted in the right situation for me to mess with him just because I mean, at 24 years old coming into the league, you really only have one contract. You have that rookie, that rookie contract, and and that's it as far as as big time fantasy production for me. So, yeah, because um, some of these other guys are coming in at twenty one years old. You know, you're already three years ahead of these guys, right? So that's just another nugget, another like kind of negative yep. against him. But still, still a guy that has enough juice that I think it's he's worth the gamble late in your draft. Yep, absolutely. All right, so that's it for this uh, first episode of the 2020 Rookie Running Back Class. Next episode on the Nerd Herd episode, we're going to be do- breaking down J.K. Dobbins. We're going to be breaking down Clyde Edwards-Alaire, LaMichael Pirine, Josh Kelly, DJ Dallas, J.J. Taylor, and Darius the Jet Anderson. 
So if you're interested in hearing those guys, make sure you subscribe to the Nerd Herd because not only do you get the bonus podcast where we're digging down these rookies, but you get access to our new tool, our tools. We've got some new ones coming out. You get access to the film room. So if you want to watch tape, if you're sitting home because you're under quarantine like everybody else and you want to kill some time, there's no better way or fun way to kill time than to be in a rookie film room. You could do that being a member of the Nerd Herd and jump in in that film room and watch all these class. You get all our rankings. Like I said, our exclusive rookie rankings. You get our super flex rankings, IDP. We have all of those for you on DiceNerds.com. All you got to do is join the Nerd Herd today. Uh, it's only a price of a cup of coffee a month, so make sure you get in there. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel because tonight we have we have the guys breaking down Clyde Edwards-Alaire and LaVisca Chenault. Nick Whalen, Jared Wackerly, and our own Garrett Price on, on YouTube. We got some really cool things coming to the YouTube channel as well, so make sure you check that out and subscribe. We really appreciate it. And of course, if you leave a rating review on the web on iTunes, we also appreciate that as well. Until then, we'll be back next week, Nerd Herd. We'll talk to you then. Hey man, how are you gonna get a nickname like Jet and then run a four point six one forty? Word. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs>